Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning, welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning, everybody, once again, and welcome to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller. And Cindy, how are you doing this morning? I gather you're a little under the weather. No. Why? Why would you say that? I thought, I thought you said you were a little under the weather. I'm sorry. My hearing's, no, get, my hearing's getting bad. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm going to refrain from saying that. anything there. But, yeah. <laughs> All right. Good morning, everybody. And once again, welcome to the show. We've got a great show for you this morning. Uh, we're going to be joined here in just a second uh, by the latest winner on the Epson Tour, uh, winner of the 2022 uh, IOA Golf Classic, Grace Kim. She's going to be joining us and a little bit later on. Uh, we are going to once again spin into the no BS zone for a great discussion on the mental side of the game. Uh, so I hope you stick around for that as well. But uh, let me tell you a little bit about our guest this morning, and then we'll bring her on. Uh, again, uh, the winner of the IOA Golf Classic for 2022 was Grace Kim. Uh, she was born December 13, 2000, and is an Australian professional golfer who currently plays, as I mentioned, on the Epson Tour. Uh, she won the TPS Sydney on the ALPG Tour in 2021 and 2022. Uh, As an amateur, she won the Australian Girls Amateur and the Australian Women's Amateur, and in the 2018 Summer Youth Olympics. So, Cindy, let's welcome uh, to the show our very special guest this morning, Grace Kim. Good morning. Hello, how are you? We're doing great. Where are you driving to? I'm actually driving to Kitsune from um, Mission Inn area, so it's a bit of a drive. So um, I've just got a lesson this morning. Nice. Who's your lesson with? Um, Preston Combs. Um, he's a putting coach, so my coach is in town, so we're going to have a couple of hours uh, spent with him just working on my putting as well. Well, that's great. Then. Very good. Well, Grace, first off, congratulations uh, from both of us on uh, your win this past weekend. I know you're obviously pretty excited. It's your first Epson Tour win, and uh, very early in the season, so lots of golf left, of course, but uh, congratulations. Tell us a little bit about your round. Yes, thank you. Um, I think it was one of those weeks where things just went well for me. Um, Like, I hit majority of the fairways, the greens, gave myself a lot of opportunity for birdie which I made a lot of them. So um, I guess, you know, you have one of those good weeks where you just don't really think much and you just do and it goes in the hole sort of thing. Very good. And and also noticed, too, um, about five years ago, uh, a fellow Aussie, because you're, uh, again, from Australia, Hannah Green won the IOA Classic as well. So you've, uh, you're in good company. Uh, so that had to be pretty exciting. I don't know if you know. Do you know Hannah at all? Yeah, no, Hannah is a really nice um, friend of mine now. She she did message me the night before saying, like, go get it, and I said I'll follow her footsteps, <laughs> and I'm glad that I did. <laughs> well, it's always nice to uh, uh, to win, but obviously even extra special when a fellow countryman uh, wins uh, the same, especially the same event, so that's always something very special. So... Did you find, and let's back it up a little bit uh, earlier into the uh, event, uh, what were some of, did you have any struggles earlier on, and if so, what were some of the struggles that you had, and if not, what were some of the other challenges that you faced throughout the, the entire event? 
Um, I think just mainly, I'm not quite, I'm still getting the hang of um, playing in Bermuda Greens or courses, sorry. Um, from where I am, we don't have that much rain. So just understanding how the ball reacts, how the club reacts, um, I think really helped me achieve this uh, win. So playing in, in Brisbane, up in North Queensland, back at home, um, earlier this year helped me understand that so I think I applied that really well this week. So is if I understand what you just said is am I to understand then in Australia uh, it tends to be a little drier so maybe the courses play a little firm uh, maybe very similar to what in Texas uh, is also very dry at times Uh, is that basically what you're saying is that they tend to play a little more firm so you're not holding the greens as easily maybe in Australia as you would here uh, on the Bermuda Greens here in Florida? Well, yeah, I guess it depends uh, whereabouts in Australia you are. But from where I am in Sydney, uh, we don't really have that much Bermuda grass. So grain's not really a big component of, um, okay. like, the golf game. So, I mean, you get here and there. It's really subtle. But um, I guess I wasn't grown up uh, learning how to sort of understand that. Um, and yeah, it can get firm. So I guess normally you don't really go straight at the pin and just, you know, attack knowing that the ball is going to stop after the first bounce sort of thing. Right. Right. Um, very interesting. Um, Cindy, go ahead. You, you mentioned that you didn't really have to think and you had a lot of opportunities for birdie. Tell us how often around like that happens for someone who works at this game for a living and plays it almost every day? Well, I, I mean, like, when I say it, I didn't think, I didn't really mean, like, like, mentally I was, like, my brain was ticking, but um, I think what I meant was when you just hit the ball, like, it just turns out the way you wanted it to, um, and I think that's really important for someone like myself or any other golfer on tour um, to be able to have practice that much that you just you can just visualize what kind of shot's going to come out um, I think it's really important just so you can boost your confidence whether you whether or not you have the confidence during that week I think I learned recently that you just have to be competent to be confident because um, you're not going to lose your golf thing out of like overnight so you've got to do it I guess yeah, and I didn't mean you, you weren't thinking. What I mean was you're not trying to make an outcome happen. You're staying in the present moment, focusing on the task at hand. I think almost everybody that plays golf uh, has to learn to discipline their thoughts. And, and, again, we weren't able to watch you win, but it's kind of like what Justin Thomas did on the last you know, nine holes of the PGA Championship. You could tell he was so focused on the task at hand. So tell us what your process is. If you, like, let's say you've got a shot that's 145 to the pin, you want to carry it 140. What would you go through with your caddy or by yourself in your mind to be able to hit that shot close to the hole? Yeah, so like you said, the worst thing you want to do is force an outcome. So I guess if it's 145, I work in meters. um, So if it's 145 meters, I'll just see what the pin surrounds are like. Um, I guess if I was to miss where the best um, miss would be, where the straight putt is, and um, I guess I'll just pick out a club that's the closest carry to that. Whether it's a, if it's a back pin, then I'll go for the shorter club. Um, if it's if I've got heaps of room behind the pin, then I normally just go attack. Uh, but I'd probably just grab my six iron and hit a nice easy one. Got it. Thanks. Ted? So, Kim, let me ask you, um, this was extra special, this particular event. Uh, Not only was it your first professional win, obviously, on the Epson Tour, um, but your dad caddied for you um, to help you sort of, as they say, take it over the top. How special was that, and um, what does he do in moments when you're struggling on the golf course? Does he say anything to you? Does he know to sort of keep quiet and just let you work through the process yourself? Give us an idea of that relationship uh, as he's helping you uh, uh, on the bag. Yeah, no, he's, he's a 
it's been really good. Like he flew in on Monday, so it was a bit jet lagged. But um, over the next, over the couple of days, he sort of saw and um, how it was how it was laid out. So normally he's, he's just pulling the bag. I don't. I really just like to work on it myself. Uh, with club selection, he is pretty good with um, agreeing with me, and we normally have the same mind. But he just lets me do things by myself, which I'm quite comfortable with. Yeah, and then, and that's good because I think for for particularly for some players, they have to work through the process themselves, and um, it's it's good once in a while. Obviously, if the caddy can offer some input uh, or insight, maybe that you hadn't thought of, that will help you um, again, sort of come to a, a conclusion of whatever decision you need to make. Uh, but it's also good that they need to know that, hey, sometimes I need to just step back and let them work through it themselves. You mentioned just as before we went live on air that you're on your way um, to uh, a putting lesson and some other things. Um, how has your putting been thus far this season, and is that something that you feel you need to work a lot on? Is that an area of your game that you struggle with from time to time, uh, or you're just sort of tuning things up? It's mainly for me, um, the technical side of things for putting is normally pretty sound. Um, I guess it's normally uh, adjusting to conditions, so speed and greed reading. And um, I guess today I'm going to find out whether I'm missing anything. It's more just a checkup. And I think putting for anyone is the moneymaker, so you always have to work on it, I guess. Yep. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, a lot of amateurs could could take heed to that uh, statement and and recognize that that's a big part of the game. Uh, everybody, and I know you see this in pro ams, uh, where everybody's you know trying to fire as far as they can out in the driving range uh, with their driver, but not spending a lot of time on the putting green, uh, getting used to the speed and and so forth of the greens. Um, when you do have, and everybody, every player has it. Walk us through the process when you're not having a good round. What do you say to yourself mentally to turn things around, to get you on the right track? And are you somebody who reflects back on a bad hole? Are you able to shut that out and move forward? And what do you do to do that? I guess the main thing for me is just to stick to the present and to be patient. I'm actually quite a very impatient person, so just not having to rush and, you know, take a couple of deep breaths and sort of refresh my uh, my mind to have a, well, have a clear mind for my next shot rather than having that backed up in my brain. Uh, if I was to miss, like, a short part and I, you know, punch myself for it. Um, and, I mean, I, yeah, like, I think patience is key for me. I think for any golfer, really. And for me, I guess, having... Having a couple of reminders in my yardage book helps me because, um, you know, you so sometimes get a bit carried away for the goal. Um, you just sort of have to take a step back and read through little reminders on your, in your book. So. Hmm. Now, you've also mentioned, uh, you were, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you were a two-time winner on the Women's All-Pro Tour uh, in 2021 uh, as an amateur. Um, what impact did that have on your development how did it help you? Did it help you build some character and confidence in your game? Give us an overview of how it helped you as you progress now to the Epson Tour, and obviously your ultimate goal is to get to the LPGA Tour. I think it really helped me, uh, like you said, uh, build character and confidence, especially playing as an amateur and winning as an amateur. Uh, just understanding, or well, just knowing that I'm good enough to, speak, uh, to be amongst these pros, um, I think was a was a definite confident booster so um, I mean I'm glad that it happened as an amateur as well and it sort of helped me with being in contention sort of helped me relax uh, I guess when it comes to like important turns or whatever so mm -hmm. um, I think it's a really good stepping stone for the Epson Tour for sure Very good. Um, Cindy go ahead What do you do for fun? For fun? For fun. Um, <laughs> I like to eat and sleep. Um, I normally, I've actually been hooked onto Grey's Anatomy ever since I got here this year. 
So I guess just that's just a chill. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to go brain dead, isn't it? Oh yeah, I love being brain dead most of the time. To be honest. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Now, do you typically travel alone? Um, when I do, I try to find um majority of other friends or Aussies that I can travel with. I mean, Dad's here from now on for a couple of months, so that'll be fine. But normally, yeah, I just try and avoid spending a week alone. I guess that's the hardest thing as a tour life uh, athlete. So... If I can find a couple of friends that I can sort of split payments with or um, or whatever we need to pay for, I try to do that as, as much as I could. Perfect. Ted? So, Kim, let me ask you, uh, uh, sorry, Grace, let me ask you um, about traveling on tour. Uh, not so much the driving and that, but what's the hardest uh, part for you uh, is it sticking to a routine? Um, I'm talking about off the course, not on the course. Is it um, is it difficult for you to stick to a routine? Let's say co- you know cooking your own meals, or do you prefer to eat out? Um, and do you fi- what's the most difficult part of of the travel uh, or going from from course to course for you? I think living out of a suitcase one is pretty hard um as a girl you do need a lot of things so for me living out of a suitcase is quite hard um i just can't seem to travel light which is a struggle for me um and i guess the other thing would be just main things like eating um or like you said routine normally you have a nice routine when you're home you go to the gym you go to practice but sometimes you're not um access you don't have access to those facilities um so i think that's like pretty tough and just having to um i guess you know plane rides driving whatever you just it gets quite uh i guess uh pretty tiring on your body as well so just physically can get quite draining right um yeah and and, you know we've we've interviewed a number of other young ladies uh from the epson tour over the years and um you know essentially it's the same thing it's getting into that that routine, especially when you've got several weeks strung in a row that you're going from event to event, is sort of keeping up that pace. Um, what's the hardest part for you uh, when it comes to your game? What's, what do you struggle the most with? Um, and what do you do um, or what do you feel you need to work on the most, I guess is the better way to put it. What's the thing that one thing that you really need to work on the most to keep your game sharp? I think for me, dialing in my numbers, like for distance wedges, would be it's always been the main thing, the short game side of things. Um, like I said, you know, chipping and putting is always gonna be the money makers. So I think always having that yeah. um in in sharp notch is always gonna be uh like you're never not going to be good if you don't if you have your numbers right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think just like I read a quote. Uh, well, I read an in- or I saw the interview post by um, LPGA overnight. I think Alison Lee was talking mm-hmm. about you know all the mental side of things. And I think I 100% agree. And I don't think anyone else can agree more than any anyone on tour. Um, it's just it's a mental sort of challenge for sure for anyone any athlete really so um i guess just making sure you're on the right track mentally um checking up with psychologists if you can with your family and friends coach whoever just to see if you're in the right spot um and in the right headspace is always going to be crucial yep i i agree um if you were to um not do what you're doing if you were not a professional golfer if this was not in your radar what would you like to do as a career or as Ooh, a profession? I was actually thinking that not long ago, and I really don't know what I'd be doing. But if I was to choose, I'd probably do something in the fashion industry. Hmm. That's very interesting. Um, into designing or uh, you know the creative side of it, do you think, or, or what? Yeah, yeah, definitely the designing and like creative sort of stuff. Otherwise, I'd just, I don't know, just be a fitness influencer or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's interesting. 
Um, have you ever have you ever thought down the road, as as some professionals that play on tour, um, maybe even consider teaching? Some have done that. Not everybody, but some have done that. Is that something that would be of interest to you as well? Yeah, I mean that that would. I mean, I do have the knowledge to be able to teach. I guess it's just a matter of my skills for teaching. Um, but yeah, I mean. I mean, I don't know, like, that would definitely be a thing. I I would want to share my knowledge with other people. So I guess that could be, that could be something. Mm-hmm. Um, as you get ready for your next event, you're coming off a win, so that obviously gives you uh, a lot of confidence and a lot of uh, positive energy. What are you going to, from this past week's event, what are you going to tap in besides that to help you challenge the next course that comes up your way? Well, I think I'm going to just try my best to repeat what I did last week. Um, you know, just being patient, um, one hole at a, one shot, one hole at a time. Because during my first, during my final round, I didn't start off very well, and obviously I was quite nervous. But um, I think just repeating to myself that you've got what, like 16, like it's a long. Day, like 18 holes is a long period of time so just being able to stay patient and just you know do my thing um, and be confident even if I'm not confident would probably help me uh, finish well hopefully again this year uh, this week very good one I have one final question then Cindy I'll, I'll throw it back to you um, obviously you've watched a lot of golf as well as played golf who was somebody that you looked up to as a player uh, that inspired you to do what you're doing? I guess I'm. You're going to think I'm biased, but I do really like what Kari Webb's been doing, um, and obviously she's achieved mm-hmm. so much, and she's an icon for every Australian. Um, well, any anyone in Australia, to be honest, because you know she's achieved so much, and yet she still is quite humble and um, is down to earth. Mm-hmm. She's, she's always out for a chat she's always she's even got a scholarship to help us Aussie girls out um, and I think to mm-hmm. me that's definitely something I'd want to be able to be doing in the future just be that successful and hopefully bit, bit like teaching I guess um, you know give it back mm-hmm. and I think that's something I look up to well I know that's something that's very very common uh, in women's professional golf a lot of the Legends of the game do just that, give back, and I think that's a very uh, great and admirable goal to have um, for a, a game that gives uh, really its players so much opportunity to be able to turn around and give that back to a future generation. So well done, uh, well said. Um, Cindy, go ahead. If you were to say or tell or help a young girl who wants to be an LPGA professional, what are the two most important things they need to know, do, or see? I guess the main thing that anyone would really say would be to enjoy it. Um, at times, you know, you really don't understand what it means to enjoy it. Um, but when you do look back, you just wish, at times for me, like I wish I really enjoyed my time a lot more than I had. Um, and I think making sure you're having fun is definitely key. Otherwise, why would you be doing it in the first place? And two, I guess, um, just put in the work. Even if you have days where you don't feel like doing it, it'll pay off. So just keep grinding. Thank you. That's awesome. Very good. Well, Grace, we want to thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate you giving of your time and uh, continued safe travels and much continued success uh, in your next event. And congratulations once again on winning the uh, 2022 Iowa Golf Classic. Uh, again, congratulations on uh, winning that event. Thanks for your time, guys. Thanks. Good luck. All right. Bye-bye. Have fun. All right. Grace Kim, uh, this past week's Epson Tour uh, winner of the, again, the 2022 Iowa Golf Classic. We're going to take a very quick break, oh, and then we will um, come back and enter the no BS zone and have a great discussion on the mental side of the game. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? 
And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. And as always, we're going to enter the no BS zone uh, and have a great discussion, I believe, on the mental side of the game. This is an area that a lot of people, uh, Cindy, I think, struggle with. Um, you know, they work so hard on the physical side of their game, but this is an area uh, that I think a lot of <coughs> particular amateur golfers, uh, juniors, what have you, really don't even focus on and don't even think about. They just sort of get out there and go through the motions, but they don't really realize the important connection um, that you need to have um, in the old brain box, if you will. So the first uh, point I want to bring up and, and we can have a discussion on is really the importance of mentally preparing uh, for your next round. So whether you're playing in your club championship, uh, even if it's just with your weekend uh, foursome, uh, or maybe in, in Grace's uh, case for her next event, um, Cindy, draw from your own experience. Did you do anything special to prepare mentally um, when you were going out on the LPGA or, or the Legends Tour uh, to prepare for that next round? What did you do? You know, it's funny that you ask. It's um, I don't know that people really think about what they're doing when mm -hmm. they get ready to hit a shot. So I think it's really important that you have a process that you stick to. And that's kind of why I asked Grace if, you know, what does she do if she's got a shot that's 145, she wants to fly at 140, what are the, the steps she takes to get ready to hit a shot? And so many people just look at the number, you know, oh, I'm at 150, I'm going to hit my 150 club. Well, let's think for a minute. What's your lie look like? What's the wind doing? So all those things in your process, I think if people did that and created one that they could trust and commit to, it would help them get better. So mm -hmm. I don't mentally prepare to go play in a tournament. I, I make sure I stay focused on the process that I need to produce a shot no matter where I'm at. And that's difficult mm -hmm. to do, as Grace just mentioned, you know, to be – in the in the game for four four and a half hours, um, you need to know when to turn it on and when to turn it off. Otherwise, you're mentally exhausted. Yeah, and I remember uh, several seasons back we talked about that very thing. I think if I remember correctly, um, and I'm trying to, my I got a brain fog going here. So uh, the guest that was on talked about Annika Sorenstam had that very same problem in the U.S. Women's Open where she was really playing, you know, four and a half, you know, four, four and a half hours of just straight golf and not giving her brain a rest. And um, the advice this particular player gave her was, you know, Annika, you're, you know, remodeling your kitchen, you know, in between shots, think about something. In other words, decompress from the game for the moment, just for a brief moment until yeah. you're ready for your next shot. And you've got to do that because, yeah, I don't care how mentally tough, and I guarantee it, without even asking him, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, some of the other greats of, of the, what I call the mental side of the game, I guarantee have to do that. Now, that doesn't mean they don't stay in the game. That just means that sometimes they have to decompress a little bit by shifting their focus onto something momentarily, you know, walking in between holes or what have you, uh, or waiting for their turn um, in order to allow themselves to regroup and focus on what, what the task at hand. And, and something that I recommend, and this is more for amateurs, obviously professionals have the, the ability to, uh, you know, play in pro-ams or play in practice rounds. So they're able to get familiar with, uh, even if it's a new course, somewhat. They can sort of map it out. But for amateur golfers that maybe you get invited, a buddy invites you to a course or you go on a buddy trip and you're playing an area that you've never played before, you know, it's always a good I think an opportunity to sort of scope out if you don't get a chance to actually get out there and visually see the course, um, you know, get a scorecard, look at, uh, you know, go online. Most websites, most golf websites uh, will have diagrams of what the holes look like. 
and just sort of visualize in your mind, okay, you know what your abilities are, you know that you can hit a pretty good drive, and sort of map out, it doesn't have to be exact, but kind of map out a game plan, if you will. Get yourself mentally prepared, okay, the first, uh, you know, the first T, what do I want to do? I want to put myself in this position here, and obviously you may not have time to go over the whole 18, but just kind of visually get yourself, okay, here's what I need to do, um, I want to avoid these things, so on and so forth. And I think it's just a way of, of kind of getting yourself in the groove of what you're about to, you know, to happen. Because, again, amateur players don't always get the opportunity to play, uh, you know, a, a course in a practice round. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a real-life situation for them. So I think if you can do something, and again, you don't have to go overboard, but just something to kind of get yourself in the mind. But I agree with you as well as you have to, get focused on the process as well and we'll talk about a little bit more of that in a moment but um, the other thing Cindy too I think that a lot of uh, golfers at all levels have is how do we handle the stress and or anxieties on the golf course because we're all going I don't care what level you are everybody has anxieties and some stress uh, whether it's a challenging hole whether it's uh, maintaining a lead or trying to come from behind um, that can be sometimes a stressful situation was there anything particular that you did when you found yourself in that moment, uh, that maybe could help some of our amateur golfers listening in this morning? Well, a couple things. The people that were talking to Annika were Lynn Nelson, or Lynn Marriott yes. Nelson. It, they were her coaches. Mm-hmm. And they made her re- remember that her pre shot routine only took like 23 seconds. And they yep. said, you know, you sh- you average 71, so how many minutes do you really need to focus out there today? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm saying. If you know what your pre-shot routine is and you don't give it any value and any emotion, it's just like, let's just go do this, and then you can go off on a tangent and think about whatever else you want. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's number one. Um, I just forgot your question. Handling stress. Me? Handling stress or anxiety on the golf course. Again, are you trying to make something happen? You cannot create outcomes. You can't control that. If you could, everybody would shoot nothing every time they play. So be aware of your thoughts. You know, absolutely know what am I thinking right now and is it the right thing to think? And so discern the difference between good thoughts and bad thoughts and do you have the discipline to corral your mind back to think what you should be thinking. And mm-hmm. so many players, we, we've got a bunch of kids, we're doing the Under Armour Junior Tour here, and there's a few of them that have not been playing or shooting the scores they should shoot, put it that way. Right. So when they go to their mm-hmm. course, they're telling me how they're shooting 71, 72. Well, now for nine holes, they're shooting 42. Well, what's the difference? They're trying to make something happen. They're trying to win a tournament. You can't do that. You have to focus right. on the task at hand. And then you have to become aware of it. You have to be willing to look in the mirror and admit it. So many people are, oh, no, 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 that's not what I'm doing. Well, clearly that's what you are doing. And, again, this yeah. past weekend watching Justin Thomas stay focused mm-hmm. in the playoff, it was like, wow, this guy is on a mission and he's committing to each shot that he's chosen to hit and he's completed the execution of the shot and there you go, you get the outcome. Yep. Yeah, and, and I think also, too, for a lot of players, um, you know, you're, you're right. I mean, focusing on the, the, the task at hand and not allowing yourself to get – and I think also, too, for, even for amateurs, um, don't focus on the scorecard. Um, I see a lot of amateurs that get out there and, you know, maybe their goal is to break 90, let's say, as an example, and they're counting all the way up to where they are at the present moment. And they're thinking to themselves, as they, especially as they get to the last few holes, well, I've got a, you know, I've got a birdie, I've got a birdie, or I've got a, you know, I can't get worse than this, I can't get worse than that. And they start, these numbers start creeping in, and then the stress level and the anxiety starts to creep up. Just get out there, as you pointed out, and just focus on the process, focus on the task at hand, and the numbers will take care of themselves. I mean, you may not break that 90 uh, this time around, but you're going to get, eventually you're going to be able to do that. If you're focusing on, that's why, you know, sometimes we've asked players, um, you know, whether they're a scoreboard watcher or not. Um, 
I find that the ones that don't focus on the scoreboards is my, and that doesn't mean you can't be conscious of what's happening uh, to kind of get an idea. But if you're if you're constantly every scoreboard, you're like, okay, where am I? Okay, well I'm way down here. I've got to, what do I got to do? Then that again increases the stress and anxiety levels. And then you're not you're not playing in the moment anymore. You're playing for a specific goal, and sometimes that goal is not going to serve you well. So I think you've got to. Uh, as you pointed out, I think you've got to focus on the process and you've got to focus on the task at hand and treat each shot because they are individual and not as a group. Treat them individually and when that one's done, it's done. Put it off uh, over on the shelf and now focus, get ready to focus on the next one when, it, when it's your turn and I think you'll um, serve yourself well. This is one, Cindy, I, I'm, I'm curious to see um, because you've talked about this many, many times on the show and that is knowing uh, you know, sort of the left and right brain, if you will knowing when to use the creative side of your brain and when not to. Give us an idea of what, you, what it means to use your creative side and what it means to use the other. And then how will we put it when in practice? You have a sh- yeah, when you have a shot and you walk up to the ball, the, the thing is to look at the surroundings, okay? What's your mm-hmm. smartest play from this location? And once you figure out the smartest play from this location, let's say there's water, it's a par five, it's 190 to carry the water, and it's 225 to the green. And you hit your three-wood 200 yards in the air when you hit it perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the lie look like? Do I have a great lie? Am I downwind? If I've got great lie, I'm downwind, I love my three-wood, then go for it. But, you, but understand that the risk-reward is you've got to hit this perfect, to carry the water yeah. to get on the green. So then you have to say, well, what are the odds of me hitting it perfect? Am I going to try too hard? Am I going to lay up? Again, Justin Thomas on the first playoff mm-hmm. hole over the weekend would hit it in the woods. He laid up, and he got it up and down for par. So yeah. from I think it was 70, 80, 90 yards. I don't remember exactly the yardage, but I know it was like, oh, wow, look at this. So he did the smart move there because there was water. He could have tried to hit it under the tree. Again, don't make a stupid play. So understand what your – have realistic expectations for your skill level to be able to choose Mm -hmm. shots. And and the left brain side is, okay, how far is this? What's the wind doing? What's my lie look like? How far do I typically fly this ball? Those are all left brain thoughts. The right brain creative side says, okay, what do I want to, how do I want this shot to look? And can I feel it? And, and I call it the dumb blonde swing thought, right? That's not real technical. <laughs> like, well, I could say that because I am one. So, um, again, that's the creative side that you want to be able to picture and imagine what you want to do. You have to be able to use both sides of your brain. And so many parents, if you will, try to get kids to use the left side of their brain, the kid can't swing. And then they're going to hit mm-hmm. shots that are atrocious. And then they're going to be embarrassed, and then it's not it's a down, downward spiral from there. Yeah, so, a great point. Use both. Yeah, exactly. Each, each serves uh, its purpose, and knowing when and where to you know, engage which side at what appropriate time uh, is paramount. And, I, and again, that comes with practice. Um, and I don't mean just practicing out on the, on the practice tee or on the golf course, but just focusing on uh, your strategy, understanding, you know, when to do things, when not to do things, and understand, you, you said it perfectly, and that is really um, to understand your, uh, make sure your, your expectations are realistic um, and not trying to do things, you know, using that, that example, uh, you know, the, the 220 yards or what have you. Um, you know, if you're not hitting, if you're not confident with that three wood and you've got 190 yards to carry, um, that may not be the choice for you. Um, the, you know, if, if, you're, if you're pulling that shot off 50%, that's maybe not the shot. Um, that you need to take at that particular moment. So you need to assess the situation and you need to say, okay, what can I do here that's going to give me the highest percentage of success for this particular shot in the moment? And that's what you want to do. 
And, you know, as you improve as a player, then you can, you know, maybe afford to take a little more risk as your percentages go up in, in certain areas. But that's where a lot of players, I think, and I'm talking obviously amateur golfers, make that mistake. They, you know, they get on the practice tee and they hit that eight iron, you know, maybe 140 yards pure, and it's just landing right beside the, the you know, the little flag that's out in the, the driving range. And they get out in the golf course and they, you know, get faced with that same shot. And say, oh, that's my eight iron, and maybe it's not. They only hit it one time that distance. The rest of the time they were left, right, you know, far, short, what have you. Um, but they figure that's okay. That's that's how far I'm going to hit that eight iron, and that may not be the case. That's maybe under perfect or ideal uh, conditions. So they've got to be able to um, really dial into what their abilities are um, and then, again, assess the situation. The last one we're going to talk about is maybe a, a tip or two on filtering out distractions during a route. Now, this obviously is more applicable uh, to uh, the professionals uh, with everything from cameras clicking in the background to uh, you know, uh, applause, maybe a, a green or a hole over. Um, but this is something that we can do because uh, even amateurs do have this in different areas, um, Cindy, where they are distracted very easily. And it may be not distracted necessarily by outside noises, but not getting in the zone and really um, getting their mind mentally prepared for that particular shot. So what are some suggestions that you could have to to help avoid some of those distractions, maybe one or two, uh, or maybe an example of, you know, if there are outside elements, um, that could be something for our professionals, and maybe for amateurs, some of the distractions they may be faced with, what can they do to help overcome that? Well, again, it's, it's being able to be aware that you're being distracted, and is this a good distraction or a bad distraction? Sometimes there's good distractions, but, you know, um, you need to think of something else. I guess if, uh, what do I want to say? Again, most people just grab a club and hit it, and they don't pay attention to what they're doing and where they want the ball to go. And if you learn to stop and think and create a plan, golf's going to be a lot more fun, and you're going to hit better shots, and you're going to score lower. So I think it's, it's saying, okay, do I want to go to the next level? Am I just out here, you know, playing with my friends, not paying attention, not keeping score? We did an event last night for uh, Pagula Sports and Entertainment, and and I said to the women, you know, what do you shoot? Well, I don't even keep score. I play for fun. Well, that's okay Mm -hmm. if that's what you want to do. And, you know, go play the par three and just have fun and take a walk on some grass and hit a ball, Right. But the next level is, oh, let's keep score. Let's try to get the ball in the air. Let's have a goal. So I think it's what do you want out of it? Why are you here? And then we can create a plan for you to get what you want. Yeah. I think also, too, and you you mentioned this earlier um, when you were referencing Annika, and that is a a pre-shot routine. You know, we see a lot of times, I mean, and I'm going to use Tiger as an example. I mean, you know, because he has a a myriad of distractions when he's out there and he's got such huge crowds and there's people, you know, moving around, there's cameras going off. And, you know, what's always interesting um, in his case, a lot of times what he will do is he'll go through his routine. He's getting ready to, you know, execute whatever shot he's got in, you know, in his mind, okay, the shot he wants to to hit. And then all of a sudden the camera will go off mid swing and he'll stop, uh, which obviously is not very easy for a lot of people to do, but, he has the ability to do that. But what's interesting, he doesn't just get up there and hit the shot. He actually goes through that routine. And I think that's a big thing. You know, if you're somebody that, let's say you get over a shot, and it doesn't have to be an outside distraction, but let's say you've, you've gone through the process, you're getting ready to exit. And again, obviously, you have to be mindful of, of slow play. You're not wanting to hold up everybody. But let's say you get over there and you chose that eight iron, and you're going through your pre-shot routine. You're thinking, okay, and then you get over there, and all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I don't think my eight irons. If you're all of a sudden doubts creeping in, that's going to wreak havoc. Now, you still might pull off a decent shot, but it's maybe not the shot that you need for that particular time. So it's okay to stop, grab the right club that you feel is going to be, and then go through that routine again. Um, that helps, I believe, uh, to filter out some of the distractions. And distraction could be something going on in your own mind, um, an uncertainty or an unsuredness 
about being able to execute the shot at hand. So sometimes you have to find, and I think the, the pre-shot routine is a great way to do that. Um, again, you want to get it down to, to precision to the point where, and you mentioned Annika's you know, was 23 seconds, whatever yours might be 20 seconds. You want to have that and you want it consistent. And when you have that consistency, it's very easy to stay focused on the task at hand. If you're one minute, your pre-shot routine is 25 seconds, the next time it's 15 seconds, and then it's jumping back and forth, it's, you know, maybe one time it's a waggle, the next time it's three waggles. If there's not a consistency in that, it's very easy to become distracted and your mind begins to wander. And I don't know, you know, whether you agree 100% with that or not. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts. But I think if you have a, a really well-put-together pre-shot routine, that is going to help you stay focused on the task at hand and is less likely, I'm not saying it's impossible, um, to have you become distracted while you're out there in the golf course. What do you think? I totally agree. What, I, what should I be thinking right now? And again, I, right. I teach any you know people from total beginners to tour players, so the total beginner doesn't even know that they need to be thinking anything. So there's right. so many parts to learning how to play, and and it takes time. Again, the woman that hired us last night, she says, I've been doing this for three years. I said, well, it takes a beginner anywhere from three to five years to get it, and you have to work yep. at it. It's not like, oh, it yep. just shows up. So <laughs> don't be discouraged, you know. I've been doing this for yeah, 50. It, <laughs> right. <You know. laughs> yeah, I've been doing this a while, too, and I still – you know, find myself having some struggles in that too. So, you know, it, it's a continual learning process. But I think, you know, f for most golfers out there, um, you know, something like a pre-shot routine. The other thing is having, you know, having one sort of swing thought. Uh, and it might be, you know, swing smooth or, or something to do with your tempo. Uh, you know, focus on that as well. Don't get, you know, well, I've got to get my right, right arm here and my left and my grip has to be this way. You know, you do that in your setup. You get yourself in the right position. But then you, when you're getting ready to execute the shot, you're not thinking all of these different things. And that's another thing that causes – that's a distraction. You're now distracting from the task at hand because now you're becoming very mechanical and very, um, you know, in that sense. So you need to sort of have maybe just one swing thought. Maybe it's just, you know, take low and slow or what, whatever the case – whatever it is for you that works. Um, that's what you want to think about. Uh, and then when the shot's done, then you can, you know, as you're walking or driving your cart, what have you, you can kind of, um, I don't recommend doing it. I always say to do it at the end of the round, but some people like to analyze what just happened. Um, but you've got to be careful of that too, because that's also a distraction, because then what happens is you become uh, paralyzed because you overanalyze everything. Every shot you're saying, well, maybe I didn't do this, maybe I do that. Then the next shot comes in, Cindy, and what happens? You start thinking all of these things. Well, the last shot, this happened, so I've got to make sure I don't do it this time and they get out of that routine. Agree? Agree. Totally. Totally All agree, right. my dear. You are right on the mark. <laughs> well, you know, I, I have to say, I, I, this comes into my own trial and error over, over years. And, and it's true, though. You know, people don't realize this. I see this. It's funny. You know, even on the practice range, even on the driving range, I can tell by watching somebody if they're thinking too much because I've seen people that will stand. I mean, this is on the practice. Forget a you know, real play. They're standing over the ball for the longest time. And I've seen people hit three shots out into the range before this person hits the first one. And it's because they're thinking in their mind. And, you know, I know that that's the place to, to analyze and to focus on certain things. Uh, and to get yourself prepared. But if you're, it, it kind of reminds you, you remember several years back, Sergio Garcia used to do that out on tour, and he'd sit there and he'd regrip about a thousand times. And it would get to the point where it, be, it became a joke uh, amongst not only fellow tour players, but against the announcers, uh, amongst the announcers as well. And, you know, it got to the point where he was just going through this process, and it did not serve him well. Now you don't see him doing that, uh, certainly nowhere near the same degree. Uh, but that was something, for whatever reason, he was going through that process, and it did not serve him well. And I've seen that happen with people where they're starting to think too much. And then they get out there, and then they don't enjoy it. And I think that's really what takes away a lot of enjoyment, is people get too 
mentally um, stymied, if you will, uh, or even crippled mentally out in the golf course because they're overthinking the process. And golf can be a much simpler game. It is challenging. No, we, we both know that for sure. But it can be a much simpler game if we use our head a little bit more appropriately and not allow a lot of negativity to get in and a lot of uh, overthinking uh, during that process. I think you'll find you'll be a lot more successful. People spend too much time on the physical part of the game, which obviously is important, and not enough on the mental side of the game. And I think if they flip the switch a little bit, spend a little bit more time preparing, going through some of the things, the points that you mentioned earlier, I think that people will start to begin to see things a little bit differently and hopefully enjoy their rounds a little bit better. But on that note, I think we can wrap it up, uh, Cindy. I think that was a, an interesting discussion. Uh, I want to thank again our special guest, Grace Kim, uh, and again congratulations on your first Epson Tour win at the uh, Iowa Golf Classic. I think she's going to have many more uh, coming down the road. But on that note, Cindy, I think we can wrap it up. What do you think? I think you are right. What a great day. <laughs> that was a great day. It's All right. Buffalo. It's time to go fix swings. That's right. Go do what you do best, Cindy. All right. On behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We're always glad that you can join us. We'll see you next week right here on uh, the Women of Golf. God bless everybody, and have a great week. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.